Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Hey folks, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon private label sellers. Today we're discussing with Anthony Lee of Canopy Management and Anthony Lee's just generally been around the Amazon space for several years, a real genuine thought leader. I think he actually is different from the majority of what people say and what we're talking about today is no exception. We're really questioning the fundamentals of the private label business model and how that works what the problems really are with it, and then how you can actually you know, deal with that reality. So today we're going to continue with that discussion, including really how to build a genuinely market-focused, customer-centric business that has a chance of actually punching through the noise out there and, and surviving in an competitive environment. Enjoy the show. Two or three things strike me about that. First of all, that's an incredible explosive growth 10k a month to a million a month and it's fascinating that it grew out of this ability to control the second thing is that i say yeah the the main thing is this that it seems to me that you're prioritizing buying or building customers or in relationships with prospects to start with and the products are a kind of how can i put this a necessary part of that but not the main focus so in other words you're not product focused you're customer focused is that a mm-hmm. Is that about right? I mean, tell me more about what, why that matters and, and how you see that tying in. It's, uh, I mean, you can say that it's customer focused, but it feels more like your market focused, right? So one of the things that I remember, because I was a student of Ryan Moran's as well, and we used to talk about this a lot. One of the things that I remember him teaching me was that you're not selling a product, you're selling you know, to a market. So you really don't need to focus so much on, you know, what widget can I make money on? It's better to focus on what grouping of people have, you know, some, some challenges that I might be able to provide solutions for. So if you focus on the market, you focus on the people, then the product becomes, you know, like you said, a necessary part of it, but it's not but it's not the main focus. And that, that way the product can change. The product doesn't have to be in a specific category, right? If you're talking about, you know, pet owners who also like to run, they're buying cell phone accessories. That's the little thing that keeps their cell phone right there. They're also buying leashes, two different categories, skits, right? So the product shouldn't be the focus, but if you focus on the market, then you're focusing on their their challenges. It gives you the opportunity to expand into more products, gives you the opportunity to see quickly what doesn't work and move on. You can pull them and find out what they want and, and, and grow from there. And the biggest advantage is that when you can get them to advocate for you, if you, if you do any research in marketing at all, if you do any research in the news, you will see oh, after article, about, and this is not just this year, this has literally been going on for the past probably four years minimum. Article after article about the impact and effectiveness of influencer marketing. And the reason I bring that up is because a a customer, a brand advocate doesn't have to have a huge following. I mean, we have guys in our space now that teach about, you know, nano influencers. Basically, that's a fancy word for normal, regular people who are active on social media, right? Like they don't have to have a huge following. 
playing. It's just if you get enough people saying, hey, I really enjoy, like I said, you've connected with them, they're happy with you, and now they've gone from this product, I'm confident this product doesn't suck, to I love this brand and everything they do is perfect. And then you get them to articulate that. It helps grow your base. They're going to bring more people into that ecosystem and then push sales in that direction. So this increases revenue, virality, product goes viral. That could be that could be the the biggest boon for your business. And the thing is, is it, that really that rarely has anything to do with the product. That has more to do with who's sending the message and the relationship that they have with you and the relationship they have with their, you know, with the people who respect their opinion. So all of that becomes possible when you focus on the market, the people, rather than just. I, I like this a lot. I, I think, by the way, I'm glad that I'm not completely barking at the wrong tree because I, I just obsess about this. But anyway, he, I tried to avoid people who are just coming to the market new because it's so hard to help them. But to the points you made earlier, very low odds of success with one or two products. And I try and be honest about that. And now I just hardly ever work with somebody like that. But if they do, I say, right, I'm going to make you obsessed about your customer and you need to go and talk to people in your target market. And if you can't find a handful of people to talk to in your target market, maybe it's a hint that you shouldn't go into this market. So coming to that question, I mean, let's talk about um, those who are already established and want to enter a new market. How do you pick a market? Does it have to be one you're a member of or is there a more professional way of doing it? And how do you go about that? I think it's definitely good to to pick a market that you're a member of in the beginning, just because you might not have experience. I mean, unless you're like a 10-year veteran in internet marketing, right? Your average person like me, waiter and copywriter, like no clue. It's just easier to pick a market that you're a member of because you'll you'll already know their pain points. But if you're successful and you've moved on from that, then you've learned really how to talk to people then essentially how you choose a market is probably the, the, the best way to go about it is just look for challenges that don't have really good solutions, right? I mean, I know that's easier said than done, but like these kinds of things present themselves in life, right? You might have a friend who is a fishing enthusiast. You're not but they complain about the same thing every time. This is a problem that doesn't, that your friend at least hasn't found a good solution for. As a friend, typically what do you do? If you actually care and you're bored, maybe you'll do some research and be like, oh, well, the answer is right here. Have you not ever Googled this? I do this all the time. But when you do that search and you don't find anything either, you're gonna totally gloss over the fact that you just found a problem that, that doesn't look like it has a good solution. And that's the kind of thing that's like, this is this could be a market. One of the cool things about entrepreneurs, and I know that everybody that gets into this game technically is an entrepreneur, but I really define somebody as an entrepreneur based on their mindset. Whether you start out as an entrepreneur or you grow into one, so I don't necessarily think that you're you know that that mindset you're born into. Like you can adopt it over time, but eventually you get to that mindset where you're always open to opportunities, and that's one of those instances. So it's more art less science right there's not like a formula you can put into your uh, browser bar and uh and you know, spit out i mean unless you're really purpose but what you're looking for is problems that have not great solutions and then you just kind of are self-aware most people i think that's how it turns out if you want to do the research i mean you could scour forums you could scour reddit reddit's probably a good place a lot of people complain a lot on reddit you could look in in various subreddits and look at what people are complaining about and it's, you know, it could take hours, but 
I don't think it's terribly difficult to find a handful of problems that don't have a good solution. Uh, you get wild and you can probably just look everywhere and write down everything that doesn't have a solution and then narrow down the stuff that's possible, right? Because there's a lot of things that don't have a solution because it's impossible, right? Like flying without uh, a, a large apparatus that's super expensive probably isn't a solution that you can, you know, create to sell on Amazon. You know, I think it's, it's a creative process more than it is like a professional strategic to me anyway, this is a creative process. Yeah. I, <laughs> I agree. And with great sadness, I agree because I, I, so many people have approached me and said like, what's the kind of by the, and particularly certain types of, of personalities what's the, by the numbers way of doing this? What, how are you going to give me certainty? Can you give me guarantees? And, and, and I say, no, I can't give you a guarantee. And, and there is not a by the numbers, but there's a structured process. But for me, it's like, okay, who do you care about? Who do you understand? Then I've got a structured process, how to reach out to people, including interview scripts and, and, you know, ways of doing it. But you're right. In the end, it's art as much as science. And, and people hate that. They want a turnkey solution. Click, click, click. That is with no disrespect respect to the guys at Helium 10 Vira launch, Jungle Scout and all the other guys I've interviewed a million times. That's why they sell so well, because they're, they're purporting to give you a kind of push-button solution. And they do to half of the equation, which is one of the numbers. And you should know your numbers. Of course you should. But Absolutely. yeah, the other piece is art. And you're so right. And, and thank you for being honest and articulating that, because it is messy, awkward. There's a degree of chance who you happen to know. And, and uh, yeah, looking for problems as well. I remember an entrepreneur and more of a consultant really recently just saying like love the problem which i thought was great people fall in love with products uh, and that's just i think fatal as you said the, the biggest problem i see is so much, pretty much all the time particularly with somebody new to the to the space is they reorder a product because they've kind of fallen in love with it because it's theirs and that's that's the worst possible thing to do coming back to the numbers thing then to kind of wrap things up let's address these really awkward truths that you've uncovered which i absolutely agree Maybe you lose in nine out of 10 products. You have to keep the losses as low, as low as possible. How do we do that intelligently? Let's dig into that because it seems to me like that's one of the most important questions of all. To intelligent, intelligently tackle that, this is where all those tools come into play. First of all, you need to know your numbers. And when I say your numbers, you need to, when you do your research, you know, and, and identify a market, and then you identify a grouping of solutions that that market might consider viable. You need to have a realistic idea in your head of how much you, you know, how much can you invest, right? How much of that investment can you realistically lose for how, for how long of a time? Because the idea is, let's say you have X amount of dollars and you're prepared that, you know, you may lose 80% of it how long before that 20% has to make up the difference. Uh, so that's one step in the process, understanding the financials from your own personal perspective. And the next step is, you know, kind of getting an idea of how much this endeavor is going to cost you. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go out there and find 10 products at once. You can do them one at a time. Just be aware that you need to build in a strategy for recouping your losses. So, Let's say you find a product, you're like, this is an awesome product. I really want to try this out. I've run the numbers. It looks like it could be popular. It hits a market that I, you know, that I identify with and I really feel like I'd be successful in, in promoting to. And then you run your tests, you put it, you know, you buy a small sample order and it doesn't 
it doesn't take off the way that you thought it would. You need to know already, okay, well, this is my plan to either liquidate the small amount. I've already identified somebody to do that with, or I've identified there's a guy that, you know, I've dealt with a couple of times on the Facebook marketplace that'll take bulk products off my hands. I can reduce the amount I lose off of this one and then try again. So you need to have these contingencies kind of built in. Know how much you can lose. Know how long you lose for. Know how to recoup as much of your losses as possible because that'll help continue the period of time that you can lose for, right? And then you can you have more runway if you figured out how to sell off your product at a loss or at a, a, a break even or at a smaller loss. So when you build in those contingencies and you know the numbers, that's that's where you mitigate loss. And then where you ride the winners is you just you have to be aware of the signs. Uh, a clear sign is if you can put a product up on a marketplace before you have to spend ad dollars, you see some interest, right? Like if you're able to sell a unit or two can per day on a marketplace without without advertising, that's usually a good sign. So pay attention to the signs. Uh, if the product is viable, now it's a matter of how do I get in front of more eyeballs? Because clearly this is, you know, this is possibly a winner. And then how do I optimize? And do exactly that. Like the next step is reinvest in enough of uh, a bulk order to stay lean, but get, you know, enough to like be able to do the normal steps, right? You want to put, you want to invest in PPC. You want to do some, some launching, maybe community building, like start that process and then optimize, 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 and make the process as efficient as possible and take that product as far as it'll go. Ideally, you already have a number in your head. This is how far it needs to go before it recoups the losses of all these, right? We're going to still do our best to reduce those losses so that we actually have a little bit of a gain. But at very least, this is where I'm at with this product. Then repeat process. Eventually what happens is you have a catalog of products that are consistently selling. Some still won't do as good as others. But the idea is, again... If you have 100 or 1,000 SKUs that do a couple of sales a day on average, you have a seven-figure plus business. So that's that's my approach anyway. Hmm. Yeah, there's a, lot in, there's a huge amount of common sense in here. What I really like is building in your contingency plans up front. That's so wise. That never happens. And when I say this stuff to people, like I was going through, a, I created a sheet because I'm a real nerd. I was creating a sheet that did that. I got something that was just sort of presented by, you know, reasonably sort of for the beginnerish kind of market that did a sort of profit and loss projection that bundled in the cash flow. And I just put a cash flow projection on the side of it. it took me you know, about 12 hours. But I just thought I really want to see ahead. And once you can play with the figures and you can see how bad it can get as well as how good it can get, then you can start to say, okay, well, they're going to be $10,000 down in six months. If this happens, do we have a plan? And how do we make it, as you said, $5,000 down or even 2000 down? Super smart. I mean, for me, this feels like grown-up business, how actual business people run real businesses and not like it's Amazon, it's magic. I, I really like that. And also how to make the most of the, the winner. And I think... Um, to your point about the, the VC, you know, I suppose my, my idea was that it's like the venture capitalist, that nine out of 10 are going to fail, 10 goes to the moon. Just to remind yourself, as you just said, 
that tenth one has to pay for all the losses on the other stuff and then it makes the profit back so we have to sort of just kind of build that into our thinking somehow i mean makes a lot of sense to me you mentioned a couple of things that are obviously more meat and drink to amazon sellers listing optimization and ppc so let's on our sort of more possibly action focused tactical comfort level here for people what what are the basics for listing optimization for when you have got a winning product in, in 2021 so for starters especially on a marketplace like amazon absolutely you want to invest in good photography i'll let people decide on their own like what they consider good photography in some instances 3d modeling does work better than real photographs if you're talking about like small super difficult to distinguish from others kinds of products and many others it actually pays to invest in professional lifestyle photography but either way unless you are unless your domain is imagery and graphics and photography you don't want to skimp out on that that's a huge one so definitely imagery is man it's so important and then some level of forethought and the copy so here's the thing a lot of people struggle with this right because they're not copywriters. Almost everybody will will say, hey, look, uh, you know, this is a challenge for me, I'm not a copywriter. You don't have to be a copywriter, this is what you, and I know everybody's gonna tell you, hey, lesson 101, benefit-driven copy, and people who aren't copywriters are like, okay, what does that mean? Look, here's the lesson that you need to learn. Ratchet up any message you give to an emotion, attach it to an emotion, that's what you gotta do. So when you're writing, I mean, I don't care how mundane your product is. If you are selling a Wi-Fi extender, just find a way to connect what you're telling the customer about the product to an emotion. Because we have emotions about everything all the time. Why do I use a Wi-Fi extender? Okay, well, emotionally, it's because I don't like feeling annoyed. And this helps me not be annoyed by allowing my Wi-Fi not to be interrupted when I work in my garage. It's it's interesting choice because I as soon as you said Wi-Fi extender, I'm visualizing a kind of comic video ad with some guy kind of pulling his hair out and then kind of, you know, comically putting this thing and going, ah, oh, and having a, you know, gin and tonic on the sofa or whatever it may be. And I also personally get so annoyed by the tech when it doesn't work. Like if my Wi-Fi doesn't behave itself during a Zoom interview with somebody whose opinion matters to me and hopefully to the audience, then I get very emotional. So it's actually funny what you're saying like actually everything is prone to emotion if it matters to the person in a particular way and if it doesn't matter to them i guess every, everything could be unemotionally interesting right so funny that you should say that about what, what seems like an unemotional product for me <laughs> wi-fi is an emotional topic and i guess it probably is for you if you do enough in zoom interviews right? yeah well yeah i do i, I mean I, and that was the thing i thought of because i'm looking at mine right now but you know the the point is and and here's the thing if you still struggle with that kind of thing. You know, this is the reason why agencies exist. This is the reason why, you know, Canopy is a successful agency because they hire professionals to do this for sellers. That's okay, as long as you have the budget. Obviously, you, you wanna make, the numbers have to work. So part of your building out contingencies and looking at, you know, forecasting how much you can grow, how much you'll lose over a period of time, 
if you're going to engage in services or offerings, you have to build that in. And if it doesn't fit, then you're going to, you know, you just have to figure it out. This is, this is the way of being a business owner. But if it does fit, if you can fit this into the budget, then that's something that you can offload, you know, especially because obviously the better the copy or the more professional, the more capable the photographers and the writers are, you'll end up with a better listing. Do you have to have a perfect listing to sell, especially on Amazon? (laughs) Obviously not. We've seen plenty of examples of two and a half stars, one image products that are killing it, usually because they're the only option, but that's besides the point. The point is you don't have to have a perfect listing. So definitely give it a go, especially if you feel confident that you can attach an emotion to it. If not, and you can build it into your plan, you can also hire that out. And by the way, it's weird how most of us don't assume we're going to build a factory in our back garden. So we get it made by a professional manufacturer. We don't mostly kid ourselves that we are, you know, world beating photographers. So we hire photographers. And yet, weirdly, a lot of people assume they can do copywriting. And to your point, yeah, I seem to have a knack for it. And I've done enough of it, I guess. I kind of understand I wouldn't sound like a 10 out of 10. I'm maybe 8 out of 10 on, on a good day if I really do my homework. But most people in my experience are like a 3 out of 10 Amazon copywriter, maybe 4. And if that's you, I, I would just say be honest and outsource it. And the fact that it happens to be your native language doesn't mean it's got anything to do with the skill set needed. I, I would just say... You're right. I I spend my life (laughs) trying to educate my clients about what benefit-driven marketing is. And sometimes like seven-figure sellers and sometimes they're newbies. And a lot of them kind of come back with stuff that is so bad that it tells me they didn't get it at all. So just to your point, I I would encourage anyone listening to consider honestly whether they wouldn't be better off outsourcing it. Because these are not subtle differences that you get from good good marketing, good copywriting. It still makes a difference is what I would say. So there you go. I mean, talking of, of agencies, I know obviously you guys own... Uh, PPC scope, but you also do sort of managed everything. Let's just mm-hmm. talk very quickly about PPC kind of automation versus DIY versus agency, because obviously that's one of the big areas where a product goes from being a, a really great product, making a lovely profit to being really loss making. It's that PPC hole that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I understand PPC is about growing about 30% in cost in the last four months, which is kind of crazy and, and scary, but also probably true from what I see. Yeah. Quick take on that. I mean, so how long is a piece of string? It's a huge topic, but but a quick summary. So you're right. PPC costs have gone up, but this is actually to be expected. It's so it's it's interesting how people view you know PPC. There's a lot of emotional attachment to that, and people have all kinds of opinions about it and and how you should approach it. And here's the thing: paid advertising, paid media, it doesn't matter what platform you sell on, e-commerce of any sort. Paid media will always be the thing that helps you scale. Unless your product somehow goes super viral, that's one in a million chance it's going to happen. 99% of everybody else is using paid media to scale. It's just the reality. And regardless of what it costs, it just needs to be built into the total cost of everything because this is how it works. You get to the point where you can put a dollar in the machine and it spits out two. This is your paid media machine. How you approach that there's a lot of levers. I've been in this game for a long time and I still absolutely am clueless when it comes to Amazon PPC. I've actually spent more time learning Facebook PPC than I have Amazon PPC. So it's actually still very uh, a confusing topic to me. I know some basics I can keep 
campaigns from losing too much money. But as far as scaling them to the moon, I would not ever put that on my plate. That being said, it is a skill that you can learn. If you're bootstrapping, you're going to need to learn it. Go ahead. You know, take some classes, take some courses, find a mentor, learn PPC. It's it's not impossible. Everybody that I know that kills it with it at one point in time didn't never were born out of the womb knowing Amazon PPC. However, if you're better at other things, and again, you can fit it in your budget, it's definitely worth considering paying people who have been learning the system and using the system daily for years to you know put that knowledge uh, to what you're doing. It's always going to be, it's always going to be a debate on the best way to do it. This is with everything, especially in Amazon. This industry just loves to, oh, you know, AI automation is the way. No, you got to hire somebody who knows what they're doing. No, you know, it's 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 all about the software. It's there's a million different ways that you can. In where I'm from, we say there's a there's a, a million ways to skin a cat. I don't know why. That's a southern thing. It's disturbing, but. We say the same things in in Britain, actually, weirdly. I don't know why that is. Maybe somebody from the South kind of brought it back here. I don't know. But that's there are many ways to skin a cat, as we also disturbingly say. And no no animals were harmed in the making of this podcast, I hasten to add. But yeah, there's there's no single way of doing it. But I guess we ought to give you a chance to just tell us a bit about Canopy. You mentioned it. Obviously, you're now working for they've snapped you up as as a fantastic thought leader and uh, content creator, and rightly so. So tell us a little bit about canopy management. We ought to end with a more conventional pitch. So your bosses are happy. Canopy management, a full service Amazon marketing firm. I mean, so basically in every sector, you're going to see, you know, marketing agencies. Amazon was lacking in that just because it was so new to become like a big boy at the actual table. Some visionary individuals, Brian Burt, Brian Johnson, put their heads together and realized that the space needed it. It was one of those situations where, you know, there wasn't a, a lot of great solutions to a challenge. Uh, so Canopy Management was born, started out with just PPC management, and now has grown into PPC, DSP, listing optimization with more to come. But yeah, it, you know, it, the whole purpose of Canopy Management is to take on clients and scale their profits, obviously, because when their profits scale, you know, customers happy, we're happy, obviously, with uh, the fees that we collect and, and also the testimonials as any business, that's how it works. And whatever aspect of your business, your Amazon specific business is beyond you and you feel that you need help, you know, that's what, that, that's what Canopy does. So our process is actually really cool. I like it a lot. We don't have like, you know, a self-serve form where you're going to use the copy on the page to commit to paying a certain amount and then click the button. We actually do everything. All of our services are handled beforehand with a phone conversation. So you'll talk to somebody that literally their whole job is just to figure out like, can we help you? Do you need our help? Like what, you know, will this work? And and so it's like super low uh, pressure. If you go to canopymanagement.com, there's like at least three different places on every page where you can click it and say, hey, let's talk. And then you just schedule that appointment. And, and literally that's the conversation. Like, hey, what do you need help with? Can we help you? Yeah. I have to say also that Canopy Management, we've had Brian Johnson on several times on the show, Brian Burt as well. So hopefully known to listeners, but also Brian's, you know, deep expertise and longer experience, I think in this space than, than the vast majority of people who do PPC. And the fact that PPC was what started it, 
is so critical now because PPC costs, as we've discussed, like on, on the one hand, paid media is always um, going to be part of scaling and it's here to stay. But on the other hand, it's never been more expensive. So you, you've never needed somebody more to, to be on your side to get control of those costs. And as you say, you've got to run the numbers. For a small business, it probably does make sense to engage uh, a serious, you know, full service agency. But for the largest sellers, I, I would say the, the time has come for a lot of people who've done DIY PPC in the past to really at least explore whether they should be outsourcing it to somebody who does it better because the cost of outsourcing it versus the cost of doing it badly has just changed that equation in my opinion i think that equation has changed quite violently in the last three four months i don't see that getting any better i mean given that amazon makes a great deal of its profits from ppc and loses a just a ridiculous amount of money as a first party seller tells you all you need to know about where those numbers are going right so that's not going down so uh, final question to you then, Anthony, before we let you get back to, you know, leading the, the free world's thought processes on Amazon, at least. What question should I have asked you? What have we not dealt with that we should? I mean, I feel like we that was a great conversation. I, I certainly enjoyed every minute of it. I think we really touched on, I guess, like just an intelligent common sense way to approach business. Maybe next time we can have a conversation about something that you mentioned that was interesting to me, exit plans or when should you give up? I, I'm glad we actually didn't go into that though, because I feel like some people might perceive the messaging as kind of negative. And I definitely don't want to follow that up with something that's more negative, like when should you quit? But that's, that's definitely a good conversation we might be able to have in the future. Definitely. Well, yeah, that's it's not a positive, but in a sense, in the short term, it feels terrible. But it's certainly a real conversation you have to have with yourself, as it were, at some point. So you and I should definitely talk about that for now. I think we've given people plenty to scratch their heads about and get their heads around. But um, really good. I mean, what I would say is a, a sort of wrap up to what we talked about, just to say this, that it may feel like looking at risk and talking about it a lot is negative but when it results in you staying in business when your competition falls apart for me that's a great competitive advantage and it's money in your pocket that you keep so i think it's a very positive outcome from what is sometimes a challenging conversation so Anthony, thank you so much for being willing to go there with the challenging topics i'm really grateful that you are because i think that it's actually going to help people build genuine proper businesses not just fluff and excitement that disappears after a year so you're doing a great service by having these conversations with us and keep doing what you do man you know i, I really enjoy the content you're putting out that's always thought-provoking and interesting in a sea of bland stuff always refreshing and great to get you on the show again thank you so much for coming on thank you very much for having me and your kind kind words you as well as a thought leader in the space this is an honor being able to have these conversations with you on your platform i really appreciate it and look forward to when we might be able to do it again my pleasure thanks for listening to the 10k collective podcast for six and seven figure amazon sellers i really hope you found the show helpful to you please don't forget to subscribe to the show and if you're on apple podcasts please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.